Today is Friday, January 19th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Gazans are seeing Jesus in their dreams. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray each and every weekday morning, bright and early. And joining me today is Billy Hallowell, as Trey is now off. He was in Chosen Land. Now he is heading over to the March for Life. You'll see him on YouTube, on CBN News YouTube later, covering the March for Life, along with our own Madison Seals as well. So half our team is there, but Billy and I are here. Billy, happy Friday to you. Yeah. Yes, yes. Happy Friday to you. We'll, we will be keeping warm, yeah. keeping warm inside while, we, while yes. we cover this. You and I will be braving our 72 degree room temperatures while Trey and Madison <laughs> are out in the frigid tundra of Washington, D.C., covering the March for Life. Going to be interesting to see how many people show up today. Yeah, I will be. I, you know, usually you're talking tens of thousands of people, and I have a feeling people are still going to show up there regardless of, of rain, snow, cold, whatever the weather throws at them. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do still on the life front, despite Roe v. Wade, which is all the way back in June of 2022, which it seems sooner than that, but but here we are. But, but I digress. We have a lot to get to on the focus story on the March for Life front, Billy. The polling on abortion in the country, where do we stand right now? You're going to be taking a look at that. Yeah, really, really fascinating numbers in light of where we are after Roe and obviously with the march upon us. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to the details there. On the main thing, as I mentioned, Gazans are reportedly having visions and dreams of Jesus. CBN's Gary Lane has more on that. All that and more is coming up on the podcast today. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a scathing 500-plus page report on the police response to the Uvalde school shooting was released by the DOJ, and it elaborates on a lot of facts that most Americans have come to realize and came to realize not too long after the shooting that the police response fell woefully short. Some of the major takeaways included that there was a failure to recognize an active shooter situation, failure to take courageous action, failure to secure the crime scene, failure to establish standard operating procedures, and failure to communicate with families. The report goes into great detail on each one of those fronts. Some areas this week in the Northeast saw their first one inch plus snow in almost two years. Not going to have to wait too long for the second snow, a cross-country storm that produced deadly ice and snow, slowed travel across the Northwest. Now it's pushing east. It's going to hit the Northeast with a second round of accumulating and disruptive snow uh, in the mid-Atlantic and Northeast today. Won't be a blockbuster storm, but it still should be pretty disruptive to travel uh, due to all the snow and the freezing rain. And Rachel Maddow says MSNBC isn't airing Trump speeches because of all the, quote, untruths he speaks. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Billy, I, I'd been meaning to mention this, this Rachel Maddow one just because of less about the politics of it, but more about the media of it, because I'm just obviously being in media. I'm very interested to see what 
other media are doing. And I had a hard time with the logic on this one. Uh, first of all, MSNBC is fairly egregious with putting its opinionated, heavily opinionated hosts like right there smack in the middle of their supposed straight news coverage on things like elections and whatnot. And so for, for her to say that her quote goes along the lines of saying that um, it, it's not out of, here's what she says, it's not out of spite. It's a, not a decision that we relish. It's a decision that we regular, re, regularly revisit. Uh, and it's not an easy decision, but she says there's a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Now, I'm interested to get your take on this, Billy, as someone who's been uh, reporting for many, many years now. But I took that as being just flat out wrong. It it does not reflect poorly on you as a news organization to report what someone else in a high profile position is saying. That That's yeah. just doing your job. You're just turning the camera on. Here's what they're saying. And then, you know, now you can have an expert on that says, well, if here's here's what they said, here's what we think is more accurate. You can do that and you can have those reports and those conversations on the air. But just airing something and someone does not make, especially someone who is basically the front runner for the next president of the United States. This is not just some random Joe that you're pulling out of, um, you know, a haystack somewhere and just saying, hey, listen to this guy. This is somebody who's one of the most high profile people in the entire world. So. I don't know what you think, but it doesn't seem to me that that would reflect poorly on the news organization to just carry what he's saying. No, I mean, this is nonsense that you wouldn't be able to. They, I guess they can't air anything from Joe Biden either or from the press secretary, or, regardless of how yeah. often somebody regardless of how often somebody lies. If your standard is that you're broadcasting mistruths and you can't really have any politician on ever. Right. And, and also, too, like you're not airing it before he's spoken. So you don't even know what he's going to say. How do you know right. he's going to say something untrue? And I think Rachel Maddow would have, given what she said about the vaccines, she'd also have to apply that same standard to herself and just take herself off the air because it's just, she, I mean, she it's was not. on the air. There's viral clips of her sitting there saying that the vaccine stops the spread that you can't, the, the, the virus can't go into you if you have the vaccine and go spread around. It stops with you. All of that wrong, completely untrue. So I guess she should disqualify herself, too. It's just nonsense. The reality is there's panic over the fact that not only is he the front runner, it looks like he very well could win. He may not, but he could. Right. And so I think a lot of that is what's driving people who are on the left or perceived to be on the left in the media and in other sectors to try to ignore him, right? But I guess going after him legally hasn't worked, so maybe ignoring him will. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but all all of these strategies are, are really only helping him, and I think that has been fascinating to watch now for months and months and months. Yeah, it really has. So, um, And I, I've got to mention now, if you want to see what all of the people are saying in Washington, D.C., make sure you subscribe to our D.C. Debrief podcast, John Stolnes. He's not going to just censor people that he doesn't like. He's going to show you what's going on and what people are saying, and then uh, you can take it from there. So make sure you're on the DC Debrief podcast. Also, Billy, your podcast, Newsmakers, is really great. You get full-length interviews also with people that we're not censoring. So you get those full-length interviews. Make sure you're also subscribing to those two podcasts. The links are in the description here on this podcast episode, and I've been putting it in each and every one. So uh, anytime you think of it, make sure you go and, and subscribe to those podcasts.
All right, we are going to head over to the focus story now, and we've got the March for Life coming up later today. Billy and I will be hosting that coverage over on the CBN News YouTube channel. Trey and Madison will be there on the ground walking the march. We'll have the whole stage uh, lined up there for you, all the speeches. We will show all that to you. That's starting uh, just before noon today, so make sure you're, you're there for that. Also, we'll have the link. You can, you can find that link to the video and you can you know, click the reminder and it'll it'll pop up when we go live. So all that out of the way, all the housekeeping out of the way, Billy. We've got this March for Life happening, but things have changed since the not only the last one, but up, up in this last year, the numbers and everything else. So where do we stand uh, by the numbers on abortion here in America? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. The Knights of Columbus, they put this survey out with Marist every year. And, you know, you see some shifts and some ebbs and some flows. But here's here's where we are right now. This survey that just came out found that 66 percent of Americans back limitations on abortion. So that is the majority of the country saying that they would like to cap the procedure at some place, right, in in the pregnancy. Now, a lot of people that's late term, some people it's from conception. But the point is, almost seven out of 10 Americans want to cap it. Only 29% of Americans believe that abortion should be legally permissible at any point in a pregnancy. Um, so that was a, the smallest proportion there. Uh, but there, there's so many other stats in here. But I think the big takeaway on sort of the top line there is that most Americans actually do, regardless of whether they call themselves pro-life or pro-choice, want to see caps on abortion. Yeah, it's super interesting. And we can get in more into the numbers here in a minute. But you also see a steady decline over the years. You know, there's spikes here and there with each year. Oh, maybe a little bit up here, a little bit down. But generally, if you look at the long-term trend, abortions are going down in America. It's interesting to wonder, what's that all about? Why are less people choosing it? Maybe perhaps it's because they're starting to realize what it actually is. But what did you find, Billy, most interesting about those calling themselves pro-life in these numbers? Yeah, you know, it, it was really interesting because before I give you that stat, there was one other one I do want to mention. 88% of respondents said that they thought it was possible to protect both the woman and the unborn child. A lot of times in this conversation, we focus on one or the other, but most people said, look, there's a way to protect both of them, not just one. Um, and then when you ask people if they were pro-life or pro-choice, 40% of the public identified themselves as pro-life. What's interesting about that is that that is one percentage point higher than last year. Mm. So there have actually been gains despite some of the complexities around getting rid of Roe and how the public responded and all of that debate. It seems like now that we're a little ways away from that, um, 40%, four in 10 Americans are embracing that pro-life label. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think? What's What are some uh, final takeaways you have on all of these numbers? I have my thoughts, but I want to hear uh, your kind of overall reaction to the to these numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think you're, what you're seeing, this has been pretty consistent that, that most people, and, and you have to remove the Roe v. Wade and Dobbs decision chatter from the discussion for a moment and realize that most people on both sides of this debate do want to see caps. Of course, we're going to have debates about what that looks like from a Christian perspective, knowing that, you know, God creates us with a purpose from the minute that we're conceived, understanding that, you know, but politically, most people do have some common ground on this. And that's something that we don't often think about. About, right on this abortion issue. It seems like there's no where to find a middle ground policy wise. And yet these stats do seem to show there, there may be some room for that. And we've seen some of the candidates, you know, talk about that again, not everybody agrees that there should be a middle ground, but 
again, the numbers sort of show that. So yeah, I think it's interesting. It shows that we are in a complex place, but also the, the upside of that is that for a, a little bit, Americans were reacting, some Americans, negatively to the overturning of Roe. We saw that in some of the stats, the way people were voting and exit polling. Now I think we're past that and people are getting back to the real factual feelings they have on the issue and not just the immediate visceral reaction to a court case. Right, because you had a lot of um, narratives being thrown out there, you know, a lot of fear mongering for, for those who, I guess, really value the right to abort their baby. But they... You know, they they were played basically saying you're not going to be able to do this, and and you know then they ended up fleeing to other states and things where uh, they got banned on the state level in certain states. So uh, it is really interesting, and I do think you're going to have to see sort of this. It's really going to be a narrative battle because now it's down to the states, as Brent Leatherwood um, from the SBC said that you know we went from having this one national sort of focus now now that's it's 50 jurisdictions, right? There's 50 states and they're all making their policies and some are restricting it. And then this, then there are people, in the, the, the abortions go down in that state, but then maybe people that live, you know, near another state that's not restricted, they just go across the border and then they go to have their abortion there and you're seeing an uptick in abortions there. So uh, we'll see how this all shakes out, but it is going to be sort of a narrative game. Can people on the pro-life side today, and that's what will be interesting to see today, what are all of the leaders in this movement saying? And you got to pay attention to it, right? Because it's not just a rah-rah thing. This is how you convince the rest of the country that this is actually an abomination, that this is murder, that that is life. How do you convince people? So I'm very curious to see what all the leaders are saying today because uh, it's, it's the messaging that's ultimately going to win hearts and minds. And you have to do that first before all the rest changes, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can go out and change laws all day long, right. uh, but if you don't change people's hearts, those laws are going to only have a minimal impact and effect on how people behave and not always for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for breaking those down, Billy. Look forward to being on the YouTube stream with you later today. Hope all of you are there with us. Hang out. It's going to be a great couple hours uh, where we watch because there is sort of a celebratory tone to it still because of what happened with Roe. But then there's a lot of work to be done, and we're going to hear about that. And like I said, what's the messaging going to be going forward? We're going to learn a lot uh, later today. So appreciate that. And we're going to move on now to the main thing. Very interesting story here where Gazans are reportedly having visions and dreams of Jesus. And at least one person is saying that they, they believe there's revival happening within Gaza and in the area there, despite all this war and everything happening between Israel and Hamas and Gaza right now. Well, CBN's Gary Lane has more on that for today's Main Thing. Our next guest has another view of Gaza's future after the war. He believes a spiritual revival is about to break out. Desir Sada is a former PLO sniper and aide to Yasser Arafat. In the 1990s, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Today, he is founder of the Christian Hope of Peace Foundation. His story is told in the book, Once an Arafat Man. Tass, it's good to talk with you. So let's look uh, forward to the day after Israel's war against Hamas. Explain what you see happening spiritually in Gaza. Uh, I do believe we're going to have a lot of revival, a lot of believers coming through. It's already happening today, as far as I know from my team on the ground. 
many Muslims are looking for an alternative to Islam. And uh, so naturally, my team are always uh, promoting uh, Christianity and uh, their life whenever it's safe. And so we are looking at a, a, a good revival going on already in the Gaza Strip due to what has happened, really. Uh, despite of the destruction that is taking place, I believe God have a purpose to, uh, to get the, the Palestinians in Gaza uh, wake up and, and uh, look at a different alternative to, uh, to what they believe. How about during, during the war as it's continuing? Our hearts turning. What do you see I happening? So. I just got a report from one of my team members uh, that uh, about 200 Gazans gave their heart to Jesus in one lump sum because uh, the Lord appeared to them in, uh, in visions and dreams, and they they were hugging each other and 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 uh, you know rejoicing and realized that all of them had the same vision that uh, each one of them had. And so, obviously, the Lord is doing his work, and uh, the believers around also in, in the land are, are doing their work. Well, looking forward then again, uh, Jordan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Turkey are offering to help reconstruct and govern Gaza after the war. So what do you think of that idea? Uh, Qatar will be a, a, a better alternative from what, uh, what they have as their own leadership. The Palestinian Authority is really not the answer. They are not interested anyway. Qatar or United Arab Emirates, they all don't like each other. But yet, when it comes to the Palestinian, they all come together. And so, you know, uh, I think Qatar is taking the lead. Uh, they are doing a lot more talk to the Israelis. And uh, I think uh, what Qatar has done in, uh, in Doha, I grew up in Doha, Qatar. Uh, I went there a couple of times. I did not find my way because it changed so, so much. Tass, aren't, aren't, they, aren't they hosting uh, Hamas? Uh, haven't they helped create Hamas and be part of the whole Muslim Brotherhood they thing? They did. That's, that's a big concern. I'm glad, I'm glad you bring that up. And I, I really believe all of these Arab nations are in uh, in allowing Israel to do what they need to do because they are tired of this issue, the Palestinian issue, and they want to see a solution. And uh, by, by destroying Hamas entirely and uh, turning over uh, the Gaza Strip to Qatar or the United Arab Emirates, uh, Gaza Strip would become probably, eventually, it'll be another Singapore. And that's what I'm hoping for. As you know, Secretary of State Blinken and President Biden are pushing a two-state solution. So two-state or one-state, which would work better? I, I don't believe in the two-state solution. I, from the beginning, from early days of my salvation, when I read the Bible, there is no two states. There is one state. Israel for both to live equally and justly. And I believe, uh, you know, I'm working with the Israeli team and Palestinian team myself are talking about a federation. 
and uh, we have already created uh, uh, all the the ways how we can get it done. It's a matter of getting the the leadership, uh, especially the United States, to buy into this idea and take the Federation as an idea, the Federation of Israel, or Federation of Israel-Palestine. I would rather Federation of Israel and, and just leave it at that. As you know, our viewers are praying for the peace of Jerusalem and an end to this war. So what else should they be praying right now and how can they help? Pray for Israel and the Palestinian people to see the, the, uh, to see the vision of what is better for them. Uh, if I look at it as a Palestinian myself, the Arabs have not done that much for me, to be honest about it. Israel have, uh, you know, looking at what Israel has done in the years that Israel have been established, look at where they're at and where the Palestinians are. I would rather to be united with Israel and give the Palestinians equal rights within the Palestinian. That's, that's the idea of the federation that we are working on with my Israeli team. Uh, this federation will be an equal justice for all Israelis and Palestinians to live equally and justly. Israelis are worried that if this federation idea takes place, then the numbers of the Muslims will be higher. And that's not true. That's not true. The federation will not include the Gaza Strip and take the West Bank and make it as part of Israel and create a federation of Israel and Palestine together into one nation. Uh, I believe the Palestinians will be much better off. Their leadership, their leaders have not done anything. Yeah. You know, from Mahmoud Abbas on, and before that, Yasser Arafat. The people around him who are now leading, they are the crooks, to be honest about it. And, and they rob their people. Okay, we'll see what transpires in the days ahead, and we'll keep praying. Taysir Sada, thank you for your time and insights. God bless you. Thank you, and pray for the Federation. All right, Gary, thanks so much for that conversation there. Super interesting, and man, that would be really cool if indeed there is a revival to some extent, even if it's a small extent, happening in Gaza there, and people see the truth of Christ in the midst of that. Our God's arm is not too short to save, and so we can never underestimate how he can work and move. All right, that's going to leave us with time this week for one last thing on the pod. Psalm 139, 13 and 14, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That's the mic drop. That's what we're talking <laughs> yes. about today at the March yeah. for Life, and uh, it's a powerful one. Yeah, it sure is. One of my favorite verses, and... Obviously, on the life front, showing how God values his creation and that he is indeed not just creating us when we are out of the womb, but right from that moment of conception, he has formed us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Awesome verse. Awesome place to leave it. Hope to see you all later on the live stream with us on YouTube and Lord willing. And that creek don't rise on us. We shall return Monday with more. God bless. Have a fantastic weekend.